Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Here's our host, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio. Well, of course, we're always trying to get beyond the headlines. And a lot of the headlines, of course, over the past week surrounded Kevin McCarthy as he went through the process to become the Speaker of the House and negotiations that took place. And uh, a lot of the, the commentary that took us to all kinds of places and spaces that, that I think were much more of a distraction than they were instructive. Uh, and whenever I want to get instructive uh, and to figure out what really matters and how it could be actually leveraged into something even more positive – uh, I always look to our next guest, uh, Yuval Levin, uh, one of the great thinkers and great writers in our country today. Yuval, thanks for joining us. Thanks very much for having me. Uh, Yuval is the Director of Social, Cultural, and Constitutional Studies at the American Enterprise Institute. We actually had the uh, former head of AEI, Arthur Brooks, was just in studio with oh. us. I, we kicked him out, Yuval, so uh, we can have you <laughs> on now. Uh, but you wrote a great piece talking about some of the good things that can come out of the way things were negotiated uh, with Kevin McCarthy and what it could actually mean in terms of all 435 members of the House actually being able to be representatives again. Yeah, you know, I think part of the problem that some of the members who were withholding their vote from uh, Kevin McCarthy were trying to address was the problem of over-centralization of power in the House. The Speaker, for a long time now, has had too much control over everything that happens on the House floor, which means there's not enough room for bargaining, for negotiation, for real politics to happen. And these members wanted to open things up, not just for themselves, but for the House in general, they achieved some of that, not everything they wanted, but I think ultimately the the, uh, the 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 negotiations we saw could well point the way toward further improvements in the House. And I think for all the chaos and all the sort of mess that we got to witness, um, this is how a, a democratic legislature is supposed to work, and it was much more good than bad. Yeah, and uh, I love the way you uh, have pointed out continually that this is not supposed to be a hierarchy organization. <laughs> this is mm-hmm. 435 That's right. Each people. of these people got elected. They all – each of them got elected by the same number of voters. They each have as much of a right to be there as every other one. Yeah, exactly. And so let's go through some of the things that you went into some uh, ideas in terms of here's how we can maybe parlay this into some real momentum in in terms of change. And uh, let's get into some of those. Well, so I think one thing we saw was that this group of members, a a cohesive uh, uh, faction of members within the Republican Party, decided that they wanted some representation on the Rules Committee, which decides how each piece of legislation is going to get debated, how many amendments there will be, how much time will be given to it on the floor. That's a very important committee that has generally been controlled by the Speaker. And they say, look, we want some representation on that committee so that we can be part of that process. I think that's something that other groups of members can learn from. 
um, other other groups of Republicans and in the future Democrats can learn from and use that committee as a forum for negotiation. But I would say more generally, the way to decentralize power in Congress today is not so much to send power to individual members so that they can do things on the floor, but to empower the committees, mm. to empower the committees of the House and Senate to do real legislative work, negotiate their way toward legislative solutions to public problems. The real work of Congress has to happen in the committees. And right now, what happens in the committee just doesn't matter enough. Only the leaders make key decisions. And any way we can find to empower those committees to help their work matter, to give them some control of floor time, to empower them more over the purse strings, that will give members a reason to devote their ambition to legislative work, which is what we really need. Ah, that's it's so true. If we could really get them focused on real committee work, not just the performative uh, hearing kinds of things exactly. or the public kinds of things, but to, to get into that hard work and heavy lifting of legislation, with, and that's who we want there. We don't want just the people who can be really good in a soundbite. Uh, we want someone who can actually exactly. You know, these are ambitious people. So if the only way that they can get noticed is by becoming celebrities on the Internet, they're going to do that. But if they can do it by real legislative work that helps their constituents, they can do that, too. That means we should change the incentives. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so important. Uh, walk us through just a little bit. Uh, we talk a lot about the the awful horrible that is the omnibus that we end up doing every year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but this is an example, and, and I'd love to have you walk us through it in terms of what could it mean if we, rather than the omnibus, we actually had the appropriations, the committees doing the work. What would that look like, and ultimately what the re would the result lead to? Yeah, I mean, the committees of the Congress are organized around distinct legislative arenas, and so you have some expertise on the part of the staff, and, and over time also the members. Um, it's an area of policy that they're invested in, whether that's education or defense or whatever it is that they care about, agriculture or land management. Um, and the members with the most interest and experience in that area get to define the, the legislative direction for the federal government in that area, where to spend less, where to spend more, where to change programs, where to make cuts, where to create something new. Um, and the budget is essentially the sum of their work, rather than the way this works right now is we tend to have a budget process that gets rushed through by the leadership at, you know, at midnight before a government shutdown where they've agreed on overall numbers and everything else is built to match this overall uh, uh, total figure. <clears throat> and the result of that is not very rational policymaking. It's not representative of uh, the views of the people who the American voter has sent to Congress. 
And it doesn't give members enough to do so that, again, they spend most of their time in a kind of uh, self-destructive social media mode. And I think allowing them to be actual legislators, to do the work of arriving at negotiated bargains on behalf of their constituents to address public problems is the way to strengthen Congress. And ultimately, the weakness of Congress is at the heart of what's wrong with our constitutional system right now. So I think it's a really essential set of reforms to restore the budget process. Yeah. And uh, I want to throw in one more from your piece, Yuval, and uh, you talked about just the number of members in Congress. Uh, Just walk us through that. This is one we don't Mm. talk about uh, very often and not nearly enough, but give us a sense of that. Yeah, it's true. You know, this is what I think of as a kind of constitutional maintenance. So um, between the, the ratification of the Constitution and 1910, so for the first 120 years or so of the Constitution, the House of Representatives actually grew. The number of members increased after each census as the population grew um, to maintain some balance, some ratio of representation uh, to allow members to really be connected to their districts and to allow the Congress to represent the, the, the genuine opinion diversity of the society. That ended in 1910. Congress decided that they would reapportion seats rather than continue to grow. And so now after each census, some states gain seats, some lose seats, but the overall size of the House doesn't change. And I think there's no question that the framers of the Constitution intended the House to grow after each census. Mm. And I also think it would be better. It would be better for representation. It would be better for a kind of finer-grained party uh, coalitions It's true. You'd have more liberal Republicans. Maybe I wouldn't like that. You'd have more conservative Democrats. That'd be nice. Um, What it would really mean is that you'd have both more internal negotiation within the party coalitions and more cross-partisan bargaining in a more diverse Congress. And I think it's it's without question what, what Madison and Hamilton and the framers intended. And I think it's something we ought to return to. Congress could do it by statute. It's not a constitutional measure. Um, and it's time that it did. Yeah, that's a conversation uh, we definitely got to dig into uh, just a little bit more as we move into this Congress. Uh, great insight, as always. Yuval Levine is a director of social, cultural, and constitutional studies at the American Enterprise Institute. Uh, and as I said, one of the greatest thinkers and writers we have in the country and someone I always look to uh, as the ultimate inside angle not politics, uh, but principle. And uh, Yuval, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that point. All right. Uh, we'll step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, uh, much more on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Stick around. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.